Hi, I'm Crystal Morey, Teaching Channel Laureate and host of the new video series, Women Leaders in Education. Today, I'm here with Peggy Brookins, a National Board Certified Teacher and President and CEO of the National Board for Professional Teaching Standards. Thank you for joining us here on the Teaching Channel as we share narratives, advice, implication for women in educational leaders. I'm a developing women ed leader myself, and I really look to those leaders that have um, sort of paved the path um, for, uh, for leaders like myself. So today, this conversation with you, the advice that you'll share, and um, the stories that you'll share, uh, the work that you're engaged with, really is going to help so many uh, people, including myself. So first, let me begin by thanking you for being a boundary-pushing, thought-provoking educational leader. So thank you for having me. I, I really appreciate this opportunity and any opportunity that I have to talk about the work of the National Board, I absolutely appreciate that. So let's start right there. If you wouldn't mind both, before we get into some, some other questions, uh, just sharing the work that you're currently engaged with. So one of the things I think I would like everyone to know about the National Board is when I went through the process, um, it was a year-long, grueling process, about 400 hours, and you didn't basically have time to yourself in order to complete this process in a year. So over the past four years, National Board has changed that process. So it's become more flexible. It is a process that is now embedded in a lot of places in the country as far as professional development. It's part of a school day. And it's what you're doing anyway in a classroom so what we've done is it has been spread out over a three-year period um, with two additional years for any um, redoing of a component. So component one is the content knowledge and pedagogy, and that's the assessment center. Uh, component number two is differentiation and instruction. And component three is a teaching and learning environment. And component four we're extremely excited about because it's the newest of all the components and it's the effective and reflective practitioner. So it gives teachers and students a chance to know each other much better than they ever have before. You still collaborate, you still work with your colleagues, with the community, with the districts and states, but it allows teachers to have this really laser-focused look into data and data literacy and all the data that's coming at you and how you sort that, how you communicate that, and how you make useful and, and very informed decisions around that data. So we're proud of having all four components currently finished and ready to go and that teachers are going through that process. And this year will be the largest group of nationally board certified teachers ever that, that will come out because you know it's taken a, a while to get the process through. The other piece of work I think that we're doing and I, I, that people just have to know about is in Clark County, Nevada, we have what we call professional development schools where we have entire schools going through uh, national board certification together, changing culture and climate from day one coming into a school and having access to this core body of knowledge that is essential for teachers to know and what they should be able to do and to have an impact on students immediately, not just even in your own classroom, but school-wide and district-wide, that everybody has that same academic language and that you understand what's happening. And then finally, uh, the NT3, the Network to Transform Teaching. We are in nine states and two districts, and that work is 
the work of teachers who are looking at problems of practice and solving these problems of practice because they're close to the work, they understand it, they know their students, and they are now in a position that they have a voice. And, and that's what we need in teacher leaders. And for them to take that voice, use it with a, the center of attention being students. Wow, you know, that really speaks. Uh, I, when I went through my professional certification just a few years ago now, oh goodness, maybe, actually it's been maybe four or five, uh, as a single parent, the national board route was sort of too much for the time that I had available. And so hearing you speak uh, this morning about sort of kind of the, an iteration of the process to maybe tailor it to more within the school day, still obviously some time outside of, but maybe not the sort of life-consuming piece that, that, and that I had heard from so many other educators, it really gives me hope to maybe go back and look at that process in addition to the other path for professional certification that I took, um, but, you know, but to kind of further my own leadership and seems to be that a lot of other teachers might, might think about that as well now. Uh, you will love this process. We have about 650 schools with five or more teachers going through the process together wow. right now. It is amazing, wow. absolutely amazing. Well, thank you so much for sharing those kind of updates and what's currently happening. I think that that, that, that will help so many people kind of uh, think about their own actually paths to leadership, um, especially as becoming a National Board Certified Teacher. Well, you know, many people look up to you um, for your work with the National Boards, but you're also known um, as a leader in education for different reasons. You were a pioneering STEM educator and you founded the Engineering and Manufacturing Institute of Technology at Forest High School in Florida, and obviously now in your most recent position uh, as, the, um, uh, as the president and CEO for National Boards, an organization that, um, that defines measures and advances accomplished teaching. What or who inspired you? to become a leader in education? I think it was my grandmother. Um, my father, her, my grandfather, her husband, was a professor. And education was always essential to her. And she was not like my grandfather by any means as far as education was concerned. Uh, she was born at the turn of the century, so you can imagine uh, what was happening at that time. But she always felt like if you, that's something that no one could take away from you, no matter what. So the more you knew, the better off you were, and the more influence that you would have over your own life, not even influencing other people at the time, but just influencing your own life that you could walk your own path. And she was adamant about me walking my own path. And there were paths that she said, you will never walk. Um, so she worked very hard. Uh, I grew up with my grandmother and not my parents um, because my grandfather died very young and, and my parents didn't want my uh, grandmother to be alone. So I got to be the lucky one uh, to live with my grandmother and be influenced by her in that way. But it was always, she was always teaching me something. Every moment, no matter where we are, whether it was you know opening a bank account at the age of six and walking in to pay the bills to show me how things were done, to be an independent person for the rest of your life and never depend on anyone else for anything else. And I think I learned that very early to, to be able to not be a follower it is what I think she wanted to instill in me. Wow, I mean, what an amazing opportunity to have a, a grandma like that. Actually, she sounds quite similar to, uh, to my mother's mom, my grandmother, who was just incredibly hardworking but very independent. And 
sounds like she would be incredibly proud of you for the path that, that you have thus taken um, based off of her, her influence and, and her leadership. Uh, and she would. I think of her every day. I, I am who I am because of her. Oh, what a great story uh, that you have shared. Well, surely though your path to leadership has, has likely not been um, as, as easy in some moments um, as others. Is there a challenge that you faced um, as you rose into leadership roles um, that you might be willing to share with us and how you dealt with that challenge? Sure. Uh, I'm going to state the obvious. A woman of color. <laughs> so I think one of the biggest obstacles was trust. And the fact that I'll take the example of starting a school and starting an engineering school of all types of schools to start, that people said, oh, she's not going to be able to do this. And, you know, these crazy people who are working with her, and they're going to get tired of working this hard, and it's not, not going to happen. So, you know, the first year that was said, our kids did amazing things. The years following. And finally, I think after the fifth year, some people were absolutely convinced because these kids were just incredible, that they would come in contact with, the community work that we did, um, them speaking to CEOs, doing presentations around the community, and we did one presentation where uh, the superintendent walked up to one of our students and said, do you need a job now? <laughs> because the way you have just presented yourself, you could work for me right now. That young man is an aerospace engineer and has been for the last 15 years. But it's just making sure the outside noise doesn't distract you from mm. your mission. And that's what we instill in our, our, our students as well. Nobody knows you the way you know you. You look in the mirror, you can tell every, every weakness, every strength, and you understand when things are within and things are from the outside. And we can get rid of all that external noise. It's only that internal voice that you need to listen to. And whatever your dreams are, just follow those dreams and we will help you get there. So I, I have just been incredibly proud of everything all of these students have done and all the fields of engineering that they're in. And I, I got an, um, a text with a picture from a student who went to the Naval Academy and he married one of the other students who was a civil engineer of a Harrier jet that he is now flying uh, and he just wanted to, he put his hands up like this to say with the jet behind him thank you um, just, uh, I wrote the, the letter for him to get into the Naval Academy and I remember the senator's office calling and said we've never had a letter like this about a child. You know, they get 14,000 applications and they accept 1,000. So Nick got in wow. and has done incredible things uh, since, since he arrived at the Naval Academy. So when you initially had that distrust um, amongst uh, people as they viewed you um, for a woman of color, did you find that you had to hit it straight on or did you sort of just put it off to the side and keep your mission focused? How, how did you, if, as other, um, you know, as other leaders kind of rise up in this, what sort of piece of advice would you might get them to, as they deal with something very similar? I think you meet it head on, and you tell people that I understand your doubt, but here's the plan, and this is how we're going forward. And just, uh, my grandfather always said to me, 
you must have a level of confidence that borders on arrogance in order mm. for people to really take you seriously and to know and see in your work what you're doing. And, and that, you know, paves the way for everything that you're about to do. Just being prepared. Absolutely Just prepared. Well, education is often under attack. Uh, within larger society right now. We, we have a strong focus on test scores. We have a resistance to Common Core. Uh, we have a perceived failing of schools. We have a looming and, and continuing teacher shortage that doesn't seem to be um, really turning itself around just yet, especially in my home state, at least, of Washington State. Uh, what keeps you motivated and engaged in these challenging conversations? I think the thing that keeps me the most motivated is what I see around the country what I see that's working. And my focus is on what's working, what can be. Where other people focus on and talk about things of the past or things that have happened before, that is not my focus. It never has been my focus. It's to move forward with every step. So that if we say, here is our goal, and at the National Board, we have goals. I have, I have yearly goals. We have five-year you know, goals. And, and we can see a path to getting there. And if you continually look at the right partners, having the right people in your ear, understanding the amount of work that it takes to get there, and being willing to put that work and the time in to get it done, nothing stops you. Absolutely nothing stops you. I, I'm just, I pinch myself every day because I get to do this work and I get to work with an incredible staff here who have that same focus on the mission and because we understand it. Others may not, looking from outside, and you cannot you know, be drowned by that noise, but just keep your eye on the ball and make sure that you know, you're the momentum pushing it forward and you know, nothing from the side deters it from its final you know, destination. And, and it works. It has always worked for me. Uh, having an incredible group of people around you doesn't hurt either. Yeah, surely, I, I think you're right on that exact last point of, I found uh, um, uh, surrounding myself with people that both uh, understand the, the kinds of things that I'm working toward, but also really want to increase my, um, my leadership, my capabilities, that really believe in me, has really fueled me forward. Um, and sort of knowing when to change my path if I need to, um, to kind of get that, uh, get that rhetoric out of my mind at the moment when somebody isn't believing in me at all um, or where I'm headed um, has, really, has really helped me to sort of maintain as these challenging conversations uh, have come my way at times. It's surely not been easy or continues to be, but I, I think you're right, sort of that glass half full mentality yes. seems to be really pertinent at the moment for sure. Well, in thinking about women who are just beginning or really starting to see themselves as a leader, who may have not seen themselves as a leader before, uh, what advice would you give them as they really prepare for this road ahead in leadership? I think as, as women, we know that there are so few women in leadership, and especially in education. Uh, I looked around at the K-12 level, and you see most of principals or people at the district office are men. And they cannot be afraid to assert themselves. They cannot be afraid to go into fields that are typically you know, reserved for men, to be out front, up front with ideas, uh, to make sure that 
you know, you don't give your idea to someone else so that they push the idea forward just because they're a male. Um, women have this uncanny ability to see detail, to understand those around them, to be respectful of how they feel, what their strengths and weaknesses are, and to play on those strengths and help with those weaknesses in ways that others don't. They're not typically in competition with each other. They're focused on the mission, and they're focused on, you know, in my case, we were always focused on students. I never cared who received credit for a job well done. It was a matter of where did the student end up, and, and what did we do? That's our prize uh, and how it happens. And I think for women, many of them feel like, well, I can't do this or I can't do that because it would look like, you know, I'm one of those people who wants to be in charge every second. It's not. Your idea, a good idea is a good idea, and it doesn't matter. And sometimes you have to stand up for yourself. You have to make sure that you are heard in ways that you want to be heard, not in ways that people perceive you, um, that anything that you do is done well and that you're absolutely capable of doing the work. It's reminding me as a, as a mom to a daughter who's incredibly strong and opinionated, even to sometimes my own frustration as her mother, I'm very careful not to use the word bossy um, with her because I know that every single point that she makes to me now is, is going to be a leadership quality that she is absolutely going to need in yes. her future world, but right now, uh, I think that term is bossy to our young girls, has some strong implications later on in life, mm -hmm. and I'm, I'm often reflective of how some labels early on in my life might have made me not as um, strong with my vocal opinions as sort of I've learned to, to be now, but, but once um, wanted to sort of not be labeled in any way by anybody that that was um, that was deemed as rude or or disrespectful. Um, or, or you know, you somehow have to kind of follow a path where you're not afraid of your own opinions, almost. But it takes and, a while to get. Because I, I, you look at the questions that are asked of men, and you look at the questions that are asked of women. Oh, where do you plan to go next? What you know, leadership position do you want to tackle? What, and you ask women, you know, none of those questions at, at all. And we need to start asking young women those very questions. It's a, it's a one thing to ask what you want to be. It's another thing to ask, how do you want to lead? And those questions never get asked of females. Great point. That's actually a really great point. I will be using that question. I'm going to ask that to some of my students uh, when I return, and my own children as well. Well. Currently, you're, you already mentioned some of the work that you're currently engaged with. Who are the leaders now that you look up to currently for your own inspiration in this moment um, that, that you sort of either surround yourself or that you really use what they're doing to influence and impact uh, your leadership? God, I could say Linda, and everybody would follow with Darling Hammond. <laughs> uh, definitely. <laughs> she has been uh, a, a, an incredible person to talk to. Uh, to be able to sit and have a conversation with, uh, to talk about education, who understands the national board and understands the work that we're doing, understands what needs to change across the continuum of education and how we connect the dots from 
early, you know, expectations of who a teacher is and what they become in, you know, in high school to pre-service to, you know, your novice years and how your support systems need to happen to board certification to teacher leadership. And she encompasses all of it uh, to talk about it. She understands it like no one else does. Uh, for her to be on the ground floor creating the national board, it's nice not to have to explain that to anybody uh, as well. And I think one other person I think about, and I am just, I pinch myself because she is on our board of directors, and that is Mae Jemison, who, you know, was the first African-American astronaut uh, woman in space. And to be a doctor, to, to be an astronaut, to be someone who now has a foundation, and, and I'm talking purely STEM right now, a foundation for interstellar travel that, you know, she's thinking, you know, a hundred years down the road, where are we going to be and how can she make her mark there? And to have her sit at a board meeting is just incredible. So, you know, you have to talk about her and you have to talk about, you know, our former First Lady Michelle Obama and, and, and her initiative about educating girls. You know, she talked about there are 62 million girls in this country or in this world that don't get access to education. How, what are we missing? And, and how can we help these young women have an opportunity to be educated in the way that we take for granted uh, in this country? And I, I think when you talk about scientists, and astronauts, and doctors, and, and people who can solve some incredible problems, you know, a hundred years from now, those people are not in schools yet. And mm. we need to take advantage of every single one of them, uh, no matter what culture, race, whatever, that they're out there. They are absolutely out there. So those women I keep always at the top of, of my list. A good list for sure. And Linda, of course, is a part of this series uh, as well. So uh, you all are in some, I'm in some good company, let's clarify. <laughs> uh, when, as we wrap up with our final question, what's the one word or phrase that comes to mind when you think about women leaders? Competent. And all the synonyms that go along with that, you know, capable, fit, uh, prepared, uh, somebody who is ready to do the job day one, uh, unwavering in their commitment to a mission. And I added more than one word, but uh, that's what All good words. <laughs> All amazing words that impact and describe the many uh, women leaders that, that are around our country. Well, Peggy, I just want to thank you so much for joining us today, not just for your presence here, but for your continued leadership, your service, uh, with the many realms in which you serve our, uh, our country and the teachers and the educators and thus the students around our country. So thank you for being a part of this, but more importantly, your service and dedication to all of the students and educators around our nation. Thank you for all you do as well. And I look forward to following you and your leadership path. And um, look for National Board and, and check us out. See what's new. Thank you. So, thank you so much, Peggy. Thank you.